Well, good to have you this morning. Thanks so much for being here. Give it up for our band, for Nick, for Mark, for Amy. Um, thank you so much for being a part of our service today. Uh, if you're guests, it's an honor to have you. We exist to know Christ, make him known, enjoy the journey. Not very complicated. We're trying to make this as simple as possible. And we're trying to make it this as biblical as possible. We want to love God, love people. That's what we're after. That's what we're about. And so we're, we're so glad that you're here. If you're like brand new to church or you're trying to figure out like Christians, good luck with that. We're, we're having trouble figuring that ourselves at times. Uh, if, you're, if you wrestle with Christianity or the Bible, uh, we get it. We do. We're a room full of people that are fellow strugglers. We don't have it all figured out. We're not perfect. No one's arrived. We're all in recovery. And, and let me just go back to last week for just a second. I want to apologize if you were here last week. You maybe saw this or caught this on the screens. Uh, our team missed it. There was some stuff on the screens that were inappropriate. And so I want you to know that we're really sorry. We're going to guard that make sure that we don't allow that to happen again. So if your kids were here and you had to explain some other things to them or whatever, uh, we missed it. And so it happened. So I apologize and, and definitely want to make sure that we don't let that happen again. Uh, before we dive in today, uh, just in our church family, a lot of you uh, are dealing with aging parents, um, siblings who are aging, and uh, it's been pretty crazy just the prayer request this week for people who've lost loved ones uh, that they care about or are battling with uh, some that are, that are sick and, and aging or in hospice care, that type of thing. So I just want to take a second just to pray, and then we will dive into uh, this morning's topic, all right? Lord, we love you, and God, we hurt alongside of many in this room who've been uh, dealing with mom and a dad um, that they care about, that they love, that has either been sick or has passed away this week. And I ask so that you would just minister to each family. I pray, Lord, that the body of Christ would, uh, would heal itself because of the support and care, comfort that, we, that, that, that you call us to provide for each other. I pray, Lord, for today um, that you would speak to us. There's not a one of us that's perfect as it relates to our tongue, as James talked about last week. And so, God, help us to uh, have ears to hear the things that you want us to, 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 say, to, to hear. And, and, God, for the changes that you want to make in our lives, that's what we're after. That we, none of us want to walk out the same. And so, God, may we humbly just uh, receive the words that you have for us. Empty me of me and fill me up with your words. Uh, God, I ask that you would uh, speak in and through. We love you. We thank you so much for our church. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. I want to start by asking you a question. How many of you like going to the dentist? Anybody in here, I mean, honestly, you really do? You really like going to the dentist? You really do? Does everybody else think that that's weird? If you, if you think that's weird, raise your hand. Okay. I just want to make sure. I'm not trying to p poke fun at you. I just, I find it odd. I find it very unique because I, I, for me, I don't. I never, I didn't grow up going to the dentist when I was a kid. Our parents just didn't do that for us. Much later, like in either high school or college, is actually when I first started going to the dentist. And you're going, wow, that's a lot. Yeah, absolutely. But, but in this, I know this about me. I don't take great care of my teeth. I don't. Now, I brush all the time, all the time. Morning, night, usually three times a day at least. Uh, I brush all the time. I've only had one cavity my whole life, right, which is crazy. It's awesome. Uh, and maybe it's just DNA. I don't know genetics. But, but here's what I know. I know I, I, I drink sweet tea. I drink coffee. I drink Coke Zero all the time. I eat dead animals at almost every meal, right? I, I almost never floss, ever. Uh, correction, I floss the day before I go to the dentist, which is like once every, almost never, you know what I mean? And so, uh, and when I've gone, uh, I've happened to run into dental hygienists that have been very kind, very loving, that err on the side of grace and not on truth, and so they've been able to, to lovingly, you know, clean and, and, and do whatever they needed to do with my teeth and, and, until this last time, two weeks ago. I met a dental hygienist that was very passionate about 
uh, not just the mouth and the teeth and the gums, but also my mouth and my teeth and my gums. And, and we spent a long time, and I thought she was going to pull out the power washer uh, to do what she did on my mouth, and it actually felt that way. But, but I'll just walk through the very beginning of this stage of what she did. The first stage was that she took a, a metal pick and she measured my gum line. And I don't, if you remember this, it's just this weird thing. And like there's another person sitting there trying to keep up with her. She's like, four, three, two, four, three. And she's having to, four, three, two, four, three. You know, she's doing this. I'm like, oh, can you? And she's poking. She's all the way through, top and bottom, back and front. And she does this. And then from there, she takes dental floss. And I don't know if it was barbed wire. I just know that it looked like a crime scene. My mouth looked like a crime scene. I think she found cake for my seventh birthday. I mean, it was weird. A corn dog was in there. It was the craziest it just—it was crazy. I mean, I, I couldn't believe. I could have donated to the Red Cross had I known that there was going to be this much blood. And she goes through each area, gum, top, bottom, all the way through, showing me how to do it as she does it. And then she takes this—I don't know what it's called. I have no idea. I didn't go to dental school. I'm just going to call it a grinder or a, a face blaster is what I would call it. And so she went. She went from one tooth to, to the next getting plaque off, getting God knows what off, graffiti, I have no idea what's in there, right? And, and, and it, it, is, it is one of those moments where, honestly, I caught myself many times thinking, you know what, you're not breathing, that's not a good thing. And she's like, hey, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, I think I'm crying, you know? <laughs> Something in my eye, you know? Uh, and, and she's finally at the end of it, she gave me like two breaks as she went through, top and bottom, front and back. And, and then she says, hey, are you okay? I said, that was a violent experience right there, very violent. She's like, I know, I know. And, and, and then from there, she began to talk about this, this experience that I'm having. And she said, hey, I, uh, and, and she didn't talk to me like I was a little kid, like I was a six, six-year-old kid about flossing my teeth. But she said, hey, listen, I know you're a busy man, you're, you're a husband, you're a dad, three kids, you're a pastor, you take care of a lot of people, but you have to start taking better care of your, of your teeth and your gums and your mouth. You have to, you have to. And so she showed me how to floss. I mean, you know, it's like, I'm a grown man. I, don't, I guess I don't know how to floss. I mean, she showed me what to do, how to, how to slide up. Don't slam it down because you're going to push things into your gums if you're not careful. And she said, hey, listen, if you'll do this for a week, your gums will stop bleeding. We can have tops. And I now have like a record. Like it's been like, like 11 days I've been doing this. It's unbelievable. And yeah, thank you for, yeah, thank you very much. So proud of your pastor. Yeah, thank you. But, but in this, she said this. She said, listen, do you want to have another experience like this in six months? And I said, no, ma'am. No, ma'am. She said, well, if you'll do that, your experience will be so much better the next time. Here's what I think. In this series, it feels a little bit like going to the dentist, Right? It's not that fun to talk about. It's a topic that, you know, very few people come up and say, hey, listen, I am a raging, sarcastic individual. Scott, thank you so much for opening up my eyes. I get very few that that come and talk to me after church. Now, listen, we're talking about forgiveness. Hey, you're all for it. Hey, this is awesome. I'm accepted by God. This is amazing. Thank you so much for pouring into my marriage. Thank you so much for telling me how much, you know, but but this is a topic that, you know what, it's a lonely up here. It's kind of like, it's kind of like the, 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 uh, the salad bar at, at one of these big uh, buffets, right? It's, it's just very lonely up here. It, uh, th- there's very few people that go to it, right? So that's the reality of this, the nature of this topic that we're talking about today. But it's, it's important. It's to look in God's word. It's to listen to the Holy Spirit. It's to ask our Heavenly Father, what is it about the things that I say and how I say them that are pleasing or unpleasing to you? And God, show me those things. Reveal those things to me so that I can honor you with my mouth, with my life, so that you are glorified by everything I say and do as I love you and love my neighbor. 
And so that's what we're going to talk about today. And I just want to give you a couple quotes to kind of set the tone for this. This is a hard one. Again, it feels like we always talk about hard things, but this is a hard one. Just let me kind of dive into this quote. All right, this, see if this kind of has anything to do. If you've got an outline, you're welcome to grab it. Uh, I don't know if that part's in there. But anyway, Brendan Manning said this. The greatest single cause of atheism in the world today are Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips and then walk out the door, door and deny him with their lifestyle. This is what an unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable. We are the billboard for the world of what it means to have grace on display in our lives. Either we are someone who builds bridges to those who don't know him, and we, and we, we lovingly uh, help them understand the, 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 the love and the grace of God, or we repel people, all right? Which leads to the next quote. Mahatma Gandhi says this, I like your Christ, I don't like your Christians. Your Christians are so unlike your Christ. And why is it that there are a lot of people that seem to have that same sentiment about, about the church, about about Christ's followers. And I'll be honest, a lot of it's unfair. And I'll also be honest, a lot of it is earned. It's the way Christians talk about each other. It's the way Christians blast people who don't believe the same things that they do. It's the way Christians who, who, who don't struggle with a certain set of sins talk to or think about or act or judge those who, who struggle with a different set of sins than what they do. It's the way Christians try to blast people who struggle and struggle differently. It's the way Christians pick the heck out of each other. It's the way Christians at times treat each other who, who, who struggle and who fall. Adam, uh, Arthur uh, Philip Yancey wrote a lot of amazing books, and he talks about this one particular book, What's So Amazing About Grace. He talks about uh, meeting this woman who had had a sexual past, and she battled a lot of guilt and shame and, and sin, and, and he's, he's talking to her. He said, hey, have you ever just tried like, to go to church? And she said immediately, just the first thing out of her mouth, said, why would I ever do that? I already feel horrible about myself. That shouldn't be the church's reputation. It shouldn't be our reputation. Here's another quote from Beth Moore. It says this, God help us, church, if we have more to say on our social media platforms than, than, than what we have to say in prayer. Now, let me just go on a little small rant for a second. Social media, let me just preface this. It's not, it's not of the devil. It's not evil. There are plenty of ways that you can use social media to, to glorify God and to, to love people. You can connect with people. You can share the gospel. You can encourage people. You can stay connected with people that you love and care about. But there is a ton of things on social media that are just a waste of time. It is a time waster, correct? Yes or no? Yes? Yes, okay. It's also a way to, 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 uh, to, to the, about 90% of what's on social media shouldn't be on social media. It shouldn't be anywhere. It shouldn't be spoken of shouldn't be shown, shouldn't be on video, shouldn't be posted anywhere. Correct? Yes or no? It's self-consumed. It's negative. It's critical. It's depressing. It's, it's not everyone's business, and it's up there forever for all to see. Keyboard warriors that blast people from the safety and comfort of their computer. There's so many things that people post that should never be posted, things that people say that should never be spoken out loud on public for all to witness. I'll be honest, I have Twitter. I'm not on it very often. I, I, I retweet a lot of things, and every once in a while I'll say things or ask for prayer for, for specific things or people, um, but I'm not on it very often. My wife has a Facebook account. She's almost never on it, and so if you if you send her a friend request like in the last two and a half years since she's been here, she may have not seen it because she's never on it. But here's why I don't, just so you know. This is just me, and I just want you to think about it and maybe pray about what is and why you're on it, but here's why I'm not on Facebook. Number one thing is this. I don't have the time. 
I've, I've, got, I've, got, I've got 24 hours like everybody else, and I, I, just, I seem to go from morning to night and nonstop, and I don't get enough sleep, and I want to make sure that I'm intentional about my relationship, intentional about my marriage, about my family, about my, my God, about being the, uh, the person that God calls me to be, and I just don't have the time. Facebook is another dog for me to watch, take care of, clean up for, and, and check on. And here's the second reason, all right? Here's the second reason, honestly. Because I can't stomach to read stuff of people that I know that say things on there that I just, I think, are, are, are misguided or misappropriate or shouldn't be posted. I can't because here's what I want to do. I want to be the Facebook police. And I can't. And I don't want to. But I'll tell you, I've been on it a couple times with my wife and it grieves me to, to know people who say different things about whomever, about whatever, uh, and, and post and promote and talk. About, I, I, just, I, can't, I can't do it. I'll never do it. And so that's the reality for me. Now, you may be thinking, oh, thanks, old man Hatfield. Get out of my yard. You know, so, social media is of the devil. It's not. It's just not something I can be involved in. I can't do it. I can't, I can't try to balance. I can't juggle. And I don't want to go around and, and, and know some of the things that I see on people's social media stuff. I want to take you back to this passage Proverbs 18.21. This is the theme verse for this series. And, and I, I left you hanging a little bit the, the first time we read it. It says this. It says, the, the tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat of its fruit. Now, I didn't really explain that back half because it kind of seems confusing. Those who love it will eat of its fruit. Is that a good thing? Is that a bad thing? And so I wanted to give you some context and also show you a different, a different translation so that way you can kind of see really more in, in, in tune of what, of what Solomon is saying. Here's the New Living Translation. It says, the tongue can bring death or life, those who love to talk will reap the consequences. It's pretty clear. I feel like it's clear. God tells us that, listen, we need to be careful that God is one day going to hold us accountable for the things that we say, the way that we talk. God tells us to be careful about what we say, to weigh our words. The big question, that we're, the, 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 this is the question for us today, and here's the question. Do our words speak life? Do our words, the words that come out of our mouths, not our spouse, not our, our friends, not our neighbor, not our kids, not our, not our ex, do our mouths speak life to those around us? Can people tell that you're a Christian based on the way that you talk, on, on your social media, on someone just eavesdropping in on a conversation, someone hearing you on the phone with somebody? Can someone tell that there's a difference in the way that you talk based on what God's done in your life? And so before we dive into the ways that we speak life, I want to talk about a few ways that we speak death to each other. All right, here's the first one. It's in your notes. This is super exciting. It's gossip. Gossip is a sin that steals someone's dignity and sabotages relationships. That's what gossip does. It steals someone's dignity and it, and it sabotages people's relationships. It's the video we showed right before I got up here. I mean, it's, it, it happens in, in, in the most simple, innocent circles. We just, if we're not careful, we just say things that we don't realize and we don't realize that those things are hurtful, harmful about people that we should never talk about. Sometimes we think gossip is just talking about someone, uh, talking someone about someone in their absence, but the reality is it's, it's slander and gossip are bigger than that. It's about talking in a way that's destructive and harmful outside of someone's presence. God hates gossip because it destroys community and it tears down relationships. It's one of the things that we tend to take seriously when people talk about us, but we don't take it so seriously when we do that as well. And Proverbs 16, 28 says, a perverse person stirs up conflict and a gossip separates close friends. T pay attention to the adjectives right there. A perverse person stirs up, circle that, conflict, and a gossip separates close friends. 
They tear down and they, and they divide. It's a game of survivor. Build cases, stir up, separate. That's what it is. It's what the enemy loves to do. The Bible would communicate to us that it's a big deal. In Romans chapter 1, he talks about these different sins that the people had, and Paul says these, these specific sins. He walks through this, the, the sexually immoral, the wicked, the gossiper, and then the murderer. Out of those four, you go, wow, the wicked, the sexually immoral, the gossiper, and the murderer. And so the reality is this is a big deal to God. And, and then the list is the word gossiper. The word gossiper in the Greek simply means a whisperer. A person who talks about other people when they can't hear them or when someone's not around. And here's what's interesting about gossip. This is the other side of this that we never think about. I love this. Gossip in scripture is not just something we do with our mouths. It's something we do with our ears. It's not just what we say. It's what we listen to. Proverbs 17.4 says, Wrongdoers eagerly listen to gossip. Liars pay attention to slander. It's not just what we say. It's what we listen to. We need to be careful not just about what we say about other people when they're not in our presence, but also what we lend an ear to. And there may be times where we need to stop the conversation because what's being told us is not of God. It's not, it's not, it's not his plan. It's not his perfect will. It's not something that's going to benefit anybody, and it will put you in a bad place. And so you need to be cautious and careful. The fact is, is gossip through listening, it tears up friendships, impacts workplaces, and it destroys churches. People who sit around and talk bad about their boss or their spouse or, or the people that you work with, it's not of God. It's not what Christ followers should do. People who talk about people who are made in the image of God is wrong. It's sinful. It's what James talked about last week. People who talk bad about another church or about their church, it's talking about the bride of Christ. It's the bride that Jesus came to die for. The Bible talks in metaphoric language. He says that Jesus is the groom and that we, the church, the church, universal, is the bride. Jesus came and he died for the bride. He protects the bride. He resurrected for the bride. And one day, we're going to be reunited together with him forever, for all eternity, in a, in a, in a lasting relationship with God. Metaphorical marriage is what God's talking about, but it's, it's, it's a covenant that, that it will go on forever and ever for all eternity. And so when we talk bad about the church or someone in it, we're talking bad about God's bride. If we stand up for the church, then God is absolutely honored. I love this quote. I just heard this quote actually the other day, and it's not in your notes, but it just says this. Will Rogers named it when he said, live in such a way that you wouldn't be ashamed to sell the family parrot to the town gossip. Right? It's pretty good. There is no upside to speaking or listening to gossip. Let's look at another common way that we do the opposite of speaking life. Just kind of, uh, this is kind of a combo pack because I wanted to get to the other pieces. Here it is. Criticism, comparison, complaining does not reflect the heart of someone who's been changed by Christ. We live in a culture where there's constant complaining, constant criticism. It's everywhere. It's everywhere. I don't have to tell you that. Philippians, Paul says this, Philippians 2.14, do everything without complaining and arguing. That is a command from God. And most of us think, you know, it's, 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 it's not that big a deal. It's just what people do. But the reality is, Paul's actually saying, calling it out as a, as a sin. When we complain, when we argue, we end up hurting God's heart and hurting people around us. But many of us know people. We all know people that, that constantly are complainers. They run everything through a negative filter. It's never enough. It's never good enough. They always have to comment, even when no one's asking for their advice or insight. They always have to share it. And they share it liberally. They share the bad parts. They point out the things that didn't work, that didn't go well. They always see the bad. 
They always see the dot on the paper. The sky is falling. Something else is always wrong. Weather's too hot. Price is too high. Music's too loud. Food's too spicy. Steak's overdone. Service is too slow. Pick any topic. They have, a, they have some insight and opinion for it. It drains the life out of the room and out of the relationships. Ephesians 4.29 says, Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Paul's pretty clear. No unwholesome talk should come out of our mouths. Only what is helpful for building others up. Listen, if your marriage is sideways, maybe it's because there's been some unwholesome talk. Your relationship with your kids, maybe there's some unwholesome talk. There's a relationship that's strained, maybe there's some unwholesome talk. If it's not helpful for building others up, then maybe it's not, it's not worth sharing. Maybe it should be kept to yourself. Kyle Adaman is a friend of mine, and he uh, has been helpful in this series. And He talks about this idea of marriages. Um, and this study that was done at the University of Denver, an extended study on marriages where, uh, there are 10, where there are 10 or more negative comments per 100 comments in a marriage. If there are 10 or more in 100 comments, there's a higher likelihood of divorce because there's a period of time where it just gets exhausting. Let me change you into my image type of mentality when it comes to our marriages. And so we pick and we, and we, and we, we, we poke holes in and we try to bend them to what we want them to look like versus what God wants them to look like. Instead of worrying about ourselves, we worry about what they're doing. Same is true in the workplace. There's a business book called The Care Principle, 10-year study, 200,000 employees, and one of the key uh, findings cited that 79% of employees quit their jobs for a lack of encouragement, a culture of criticism, is a key reason for them leaving. Paul says in Philippians 2.14, do everything without complaining or arguing. Do everything without complaining or arguing. Here's the question. Maybe you need to find someone that you love and you trust and you need to ask them this question. Are you someone who's a complainer or an arguer? And ask them and see what they say. What if we just stopped spewing out our comments, criticisms, and comparisons of others and started to, to, to honestly see the best in other people? How would that change our relationships, our workplaces, our marriages, our families, our church? Proverbs 12:18 says this, the words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. With our mouths, we can destroy people. We can, we can, we can bleed people out. And with our words, we can also bring healing to people. There's so much power in the words that we speak and so, so much power in the way that we speak and oftentimes that the timely manner in which we speak those words to each other. I love what, what Proverbs 15:23 says from the message. It says, congenial conversation, what a pleasure. The right word at the right time is beautiful. And I've, experienced, I've been the recipient of some of those right words at the right times from, from many of you and, and many of my friends and people that I've cared about for a very long time. It's been a beautiful thing. Some of you have been on the right side of, of sharing the right words at the right time with people, and it's impactful. So let's get to these places where we talk about what it means to speak life. And there are just some real practical ways that we can do that. And I want to encourage you this way to really put these things into practice. Right? So in your notes, here's how we speak life. The first two things are this, encouragement and, and, and appreciation. Encouragement and appreciation. Say that. Encouragement and appreciation. If we would just apply this to our lives, our workplaces, our families, our marriages, it would look different. It really would look different. 
And here's the reality. Whether you're working on something that's professional or personal, whether you're working on something uh, for work or school, an extracurricular activity, everyone needs encouragement. It doesn't matter if you're not a Christian, if you're a new Christian, if you're a strong Christian, everyone needs encouragement. See, everybody you're running into today and tomorrow and the next day is either coming out of a storm, in the middle of a storm, or or headed for a storm. And they need your encouragement. They need someone to speak life into them. And maybe God's put you in their life, in their path, for a purpose and a reason to speak life. Everybody that you're going to run into today, tomorrow, regardless of where you go and what you do and who it is, someone needs life spoken into them and encouragement for their day. Paul says this in 1 Thessalonians 5.11. He says, therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just in fact you are doing. You know what? Some of you, this is like a a natural spiritual gift and you're just amazing at it. Some of you, you know what? You're working on it and some of you, it's the last thing on your mind. Regardless of where you are on the continuum, Paul calls us, commands us to go and encourage, to build each other up, to encourage each other, all right? I've gotten timely text messages and cards and, and phone calls at just the right time from people. And here's the reality. When I, when I catch these, when I get these, these messages, here's what I think. I think, wow, perfect time, Lord. I think, thank you so much for putting me on their heart and then allowing them to be obedient to then encourage me. And when they did that, it made me realize how much I'm valued by them, but also how intricately involved the God of the universe is in my life that he would send somebody some words at just the right time. And here's the reality. God's wanting to use you in your life, to use your mouth, to use your phone, to use a piece of paper or an email, to send some words. Who is it that God's calling you to encourage? Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 says this, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encourage one another. All the more as you see the day, which the day simply means the day that one day Jesus comes back, that day approaching. The longer we live, the closer we are to the return of Christ, which means also in Scripture, the harder it is for Christ's followers to live this out, the more important it is for us to live for him and help share the good news of the gospel with people who don't, who don't know it, who have never experienced it, who don't have it. And there's going to be lots and lots of resistance. There's an enemy that wants to stop everything that we're doing. And so in, in doing so, we have to fuel one another's fire by encouraging each other, all right, to live this out. Because here's the reality. Life is hard. Marriage is hard. Divorce is hard. Death is hard. Dealing with a sick relative is hard. Going, going to the courts to try to fight for some children who need to be fought for, it's hard. Ministry is hard. Being a parent is hard. Being a single parent is hard. Being a mom is hard. Being a dad is hard. Being a middle school student and a high school student is hard. The Christian life is hard. The teachers at your school, your kids' school, the people that you work with, the people that you order food from today or this week, the person that drives you absolutely nuts needs encouragement. Look around the room. There's a good chance that there's somebody in this room that needs your words to remind them to keep going. Let's keep running. Let's keep doing this. Hey, listen, God's for you. I'm with you. We're not going to give up on you. Let's keep running this race together. Second part of that is appreciation. Who is it in your life that you need to just stop at some point today, tomorrow, this next week, and just have them look you in the eyes 
and tell them what they mean to you and tell them why you're grateful for them. We just run. We just blaze through. We blink and it's been years and we've not said words that we need to say to the people in our lives that matter the most. Who is it that God's telling you that you need to appreciate, express gratitude to? Second way that we speak life into relationships is this, own it. Own it. There's nothing more exhausting than to be in a relationship with someone who's unwilling to own it, unwilling to own their mistakes, their sins, their, their shortcomings. They can't see it. They won't go there. All they do is, is, is continue to deny, justify, blame shift, excuse it away, um, rationalize it away, and it impacts a relationship. I grew up with a parent, one of my parents, um, my entire life as a, ch- as a child, never heard him say, I'm sorry. Probably not until I was probably about 27 years old did I finally hear him say that he was, he was sorry about some stuff in his life, some stuff that he had done. See, when he was wrong, he wouldn't own it. And when he was, when he was right, he would rub your face in it. And neither is good. Pride is ugly. It keeps us from owning our stuff. It keeps us from, from being able to, to, to bridge this gap and mend these fences and, 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 and mend some wounds. I want to show you a couple passages of Scripture that level the playing field for all of us because the reality is all of us, if we're not careful, we all make mistakes relationally with God and with each other. 1 John 1, 9, 1 8 and 9 says this, If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. John is saying to own it. Proverbs 28, 13 says this, whoever reveals their sins does not, whoever conceals their sins does not prosper, but the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. Solomon is saying, own it. James 5.16 says this, Therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. James is saying, own it. You want to shock somebody in our culture today? Own it. Apologize. And don't say, hey, I'm sorry if this offended you, or I'm sorry but, or, or, or I'm sorry, you know, but here's, what, here's why. No, just, just, you want to shock somebody, just own it. Hey, that was on me. It was my fault. It was my bad. Please forgive me. You'll blow people away because it never or rarely ever, ever happens. Don't send a text. Don't send an email apology. Look somebody in the face and say, I'm sorry. And watch it transform. Watch it bring life to dead places. I I, I learned this recently that that a, a sign of spiritual maturity Sometimes we think spiritual maturity is like knowing all the Bible or knowing, being able to point people to Scripture or having this head knowledge about Jesus. Here, here's the gauge for spiritual maturity. It's the first person who's willing to, to own their mistakes, ask for forgiveness, or extend and receive mercy and forgiveness to others. That's a pretty good marker for spiritual maturity. If you want to bring life to dead places, if you want to move from being stuck in your marriage or in a, in a relationship that's sideways, if you're in opposite corners with your kids, here's the question for us. Is there anything that you need to own to anybody? And only you can answer that question. Swallow your pride. Humble yourself. Say what you need to say to those that you love, that you've wounded. And life will spring forth. Relationships can be restored. Fences can be mended when we humble ourselves and own it with people in our lives that we love. Last blank today, last point, 
Lots of ways that we can do this, but I, I wanted to kind of combo pack this last one is this. If you want to share life with people, here's how you do it. You share God's word with them and you pray for them. All right, sounds really simple, but here's the deal. We completely underestimate the power of prayer and sharing God's word with people in our lives. There have been so many moments in my life where I've received a card or a text message from somebody that had a scripture on it, and it was exactly what I needed in the right time. It wasn't just that they called to encourage me or validate me or appreciate me or tell me that they were thinking about me. They gave me the most important word, which was God's word. And we rarely do that. We rarely just even extend our own words, but we should extend God's words to people. One of the coolest moments about being in Jamaica, and Amy can talk. Amy didn't talk about this today, but Amy can contest of this, is that when we're there together, the last night of our, of our time in Harmon's, um, it's either Mike Stiles or it's Amy or it's Justin or it's Bobby, gets up and they share scripture. They speak scripture over every single person on the Jamaica team. It's, it's like God gave them the right passage for every single person, and I've, I've gotten to watch it do it. It's so life-giving to hear it spoken over people, to see it validate people, to remind people of who God is and who they are and, and what he promises to do and God's power in and through their lives to, to use them. And here's the thing. You don't have to go to Jamaica to do that. It can happen today in your home. It could happen this week at student, student Ministries at TPX. It could happen in your life group this week. In fact, one of the notes in there is to challenge you to, to spend some time and just think about some, per, some people in your life and maybe write a verse for them and maybe give it to them. Have a little exercise in, in your life groups this week. I'm telling you, the power of God's word in our lives is mighty and it's, it's beyond our ability to really compre, comprehend. Maybe when someone puts, maybe when God puts somebody on your heart, here's the question. God, is there anything in your word that you might want me to share with them? Okay? Something life-giving that happens when we share God's word and we pray for each other. There are some beautiful passages that speak about who God is, who we are in him, what he wants to do in and through our lives, and the power that he gives us to continue to move forward and shine brightly for him in the world. Romans 15.4 says, For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through the endurance, through the endurance taught in the scriptures and through the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. God's word is powerful, and it gives us endurance to keep going. It fuels us to continue to fight and, and live out this, this calling that God's put on all of us and all of our lives, and it moves us toward hope. Here's the reality. This whole message and this whole series, really every series, is a wasted effort if there's not a transition from information to, 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 to application. If we don't ask the Lord, hey, what is it that you want me to apply? What is it that you're asking me to apply to my lives? What is it that you wanting me to do? What is it that you want to change in, in how I'm living or how I'm interacting? Or what is it that you want me to do? The reality is if we don't move toward that, we'll never experience the transformation God has for us. Just like that dental hygienist who did her, her difficult work of cleaning out my mouth, now the reality is it's my job to keep it clean. And in this series, God's trying to give us the reality of what it means to keep our mouths clean. He wants to clean our mouths. And then it's our job to guard our tongue, to put a guard over our mouths, and to honor him with the way that we speak and the way that we share with each other. May God remove the gossip, comparison, criticism, complaining from our mouths and our lips. May we be people who speak life, encouragement, gratitude, appreciation, May we be people that, that just liberally speak God's word to people. May we just, our, at our first glance, 
long to pray for and pray with people. That's our heart. That's our desire. That's his desire for us. We're going to take communion. The band's going to come up right now. We're going to spend some time taking communion. We're going to wrap up our service this way today. And what I want you to remember in this whole idea of communion is that it is, a, it is God speaking to us. Not just the disciples on that day and that last meal when he said, hey, this is my body, and he broke it, and he said metaphorically, I'm going to die for you for the sins of the world. He says, I want you to do this in remembrance of me. I want you to remember this. And then I'm going I'm to allow my blood to be shed. I'm going I'm I'm to lose my life. My, I'm going to die on a cross. My, my blood, the blood will be drained from my body. I will be, be beaten beyond recognition. All for the sake of the world. So that the world might know, the world might experience that I love them, that I'm for them, that I accept them, that I, I want to do greater things than they could ever imagine. I want to adopt them into my family. These are the words that, that, this, that this meal that we take speaks to us. And that here's the deal. We don't have to be afraid of our sin anymore because the grace is what covers us. But he calls us to live a new life and, and, and to walk in the spirit, to honor God in every way, not just in the way that we talk, but in the way that we live. And he wants us to recognize that here's the deal. Regardless, and some of you have been through some very difficult stuff in this, this last week. I want to remind you and remind all of us today that death is not the enemy anymore. And it will not be victorious because of what Jesus did. He's resurrected from the grave. And because of that, we have hope. So as we do this together, I'm just going to pray. And then at any time over the next several songs, feel free to take communion. Take it with somebody. Take it with a group. Feel free to do that. If you need to speak some words to somebody, feel free to do that too. Um, whatever that is, if you're if you're a Christ follower and you're not, and this is our church isn't your home church. It's open to all believers, right? If you're not a Christ follower, then then we really don't think that you should take it. Not because we don't want you to, but because we don't know that you're going to fully understand it. So sit back and just just kind of think about what we've talked about. And here's the reality: if you want to talk about what it means to follow Jesus over the next several minutes or even after the service, I'd love to talk with you. Be honored to get to do that. Thanks for being here. Let me pray, and then uh, we're going to do this together. God, we love you. Thank you so much for hard words, because hard words produce soft hearts. And God, we want to be people that are receptive to what you have for us. God, I pray that you would just have your way. God, I pray that you would uh, have your way in me and in all of us. God, that we would be people that speak life. God, thank you so much for this opportunity that we have to take communion, to remember the sacrifice of Jesus that he would empty himself that though he was rich he became poor that though he was perfect he became our substitutionary atonement so that we could be forgiven so that the wrath of God might not be put on us but he would be put on his son God we don't fully get it but we're grateful people today and so God may that spur us to live the way that you call us to live God, if there's stuff in our lives that we need to lay down, that we would do that before we take this. And God, if there's uh, things that we need to do, then allow us to do that. Thank you, God, for the way that you love us. I don't fully get it. And God, all of us have room to grow. God, we all have uh, in this area struggle. And so God, help us to honor you with humility, to receive from you, be teachable people that just appreciate your loving discipline because you care for us and you want what's best. God, may this church be full of people that, that just speak life. It's in Jesus' name we pray.